It's nice to be back. We we spent the word uh, the week in um, <laughs> in California uh, with uh, Chris Chris Vina, Chris and Merrill and uh, uh, about a hundred tight jeans hipster pastors from around the world, <laughs> and it was just a wonderful, refreshing time. And and um, and I mean, I'm not saying this lightly, but I, I I just I was so encouraged to listen to the stories of all these guys, not all of them, but many of them. And, uh, you know, we have been so, um, what's the word, uh, wrestling is not the word, but engaged, intentionally engaged in, in wanting to know God's heart for us as a community and as a result of that reality for Milton as a, as a city. Do you agree? And uh, there's so many similarities. It's, it's, it's very refreshing to hear that every pastor has... You know, or, or every church has has its um, has its pains and its and its joys. You know, its delights. So it was a wonderful time, very refreshing. And um, I am grateful that we have men and women that are plowing the way. Um, I feel that we are some of those men and women sitting right here, uh, but that there are fathers in front of us that are condescending down to reinvent themselves, to develop a new language for a new generation, for, for the next generation. It's super refreshing. Um, one of the guys that was at the, at the time leads a, a church in uh, Santa Monica, about 1,500 people, and he had a diagram of bananas on the, on the thing. His whole talk was about six bananas in a row. started from a super green banana. Has anyone ever seen that diagram? to a very ripe banana. You know, like bananas don't, like when you bake a banana bread, a banana bread, it's, you have to have overripe bananas. Otherwise, it tastes terrible. It tastes like chalk. Right, Grandma? It's true. And so, so he, he, he was talking about a language that we use, a particular language that we use to communicate this glorious gospel uh, that that is a language that was devised in the 60s and it worked in the 60s because of, a, 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 because of a paradigm that existed in the 60s. And then he spoke about how difficult it is to peel a green banana. Have you ever peeled a green banana? You literally have to make a little cut to actually break it open or bite it. I normally bite it. But a, but a ripe banana is so easy. You just touch it and it falls open. And so, the, so they are people, differently people in different stages of, of that of that of their lives, of their, their, I would want to dare to say, readiness to, to even receive from God. And, um, and I loved his analogy. He, you know, he was just saying a bunch of things, and I'm totally blank right now because I landed a couple of hours ago and didn't sleep through the night. But he, uh, one, of, one of the other guys that spoke at the conference, Brad, he was telling a story. He was in Starbucks. And I thought to myself, you know, when he was talking about this, I've heard similar stories from us as a community. Brad was just sitting there working on his computer and um, had his earphones in. And he's actually a very kind of a stoic uh, kind of guy, very academic, real theologian, loves to study the Bible. And there he was sitting in Starbucks in, um, in his hometown. And uh, a guy tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, he saw the guy was sitting next to him and he was just about to leave. And he said, hey, dude, I just want you to know, I feel such positive energy coming from you. Like... You're giving off such good vibes, you know? And uh, 
Brad normally would say, you know, he, and he's, to his own confession, he would say, you know, okay, thanks, weirdo, go away from me, it's fine. But instead he said, thanks. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Jesus. <laughs> so he's sitting at a communal table, and uh, he set the scene much better than I can possibly set it, because when he said, it's Jesus in me, it was like everybody like, looked at him, like, who's this weirdo? But he felt that he had to take that step. And, uh, and the thing that struck me about this is that, well, let me finish the story. All these guys then turned and watched Brad as he turned to this guy. The guy says, no, man, you don't understand. It's like, I'm not a Christian at all, but I feel like crying right now. And Brad's like, wow, okay, that's okay, that's weird. But he didn't say that, but he thought that. And he said, well, it's because of Jesus. Jesus, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. And... Um, the, and um, and the, and, and, and the guy said, wow, that's, that's rad and cool and whatever they say. And he, and he said, sit down and l- let me tell you about it. And he did. And right there, in front of the whole table watching them, Brad l- led this guy in a kind of a, I would, I would want to jump and stretch and say, with a new language, same gospel, but a new language, led this guy to Jesus right there in front of Starbucks. He gave his life to the Lord, he prayed for the guy to be for God to save him right there in front of Starbucks. And now the guy is in their church. And I thought it was amazing. I thought it was amazing. Let me just see, how many of you have had people say to you, wow, what, what is it about your life? Wow, amazing. At least 60%. Craig, you could have put your hand up. I'm sure people say that. <laughs> Craig, what is it about your life? <laughs> And um, the wonderful thing in, in Acts chapter 16, and please forgive me today, I'm just, I just really want to be kind of, uh, I just want to communicate my heart as it, as, it, as it comes for this conference. I've got a bunch of notes, but I want to just stick to this. In, in Acts 16, Paul was forbidden to go into a certain area to preach the gospel into Asia by Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, it says. And then he had a vision one night, and the vision was of a man in Macedonia standing and calling, pleading with him. The Bible actually says, let me read it quickly for you. It's in Acts 16 from verse 6. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Prigia, Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. So they passed by Mysia, they passed by it, and they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing, begging him, please come over to Macedonia and help us, Paul. After Paul had seen this vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, including concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. <coughs> they didn't pray any, any more after that vision. They packed their stuff and they, they went to Macedonia. And Macedonia became like a, a, a kind of a, a, a bit of an epicenter for the gospel, a springboard for the gospel, for the reality of the gospel. And for us to live as believers in Jesus Christ, uh, with this knowledge that we really have the, the hope, of God in our lives, wherever we go, so that we don't leave this to a professional at any time of our lives. Well, I'm going to connect them to Grandma Mary because she'll be able to communicate or explain to them, no, no. If I believe absolutely the Spirit of Christ is living within us, there's something, there's an ambience, there's definitely an awareness of this in the spiritual realm of our lives. And so with that anticipation, as we live daily, when people come across our path, 
we should expect there to be a salvation. Right? Does that make, does that make sense? Simple. It's so simple. Like this morning when David, I'm expecting David to be radically healed. I, I believe it. We've prophesied it. We've spoken it over him. We've laid hands on him. And so our expectation rises into everything that God says in his words for us. Every area of your life and my life. And therefore, we are those who carry this hope. We are. We are those. Please, somebody say, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Dana spoke one morning, which, which I think was the best preach on worship I've ever heard in my entire life. The premise of what she said was that the North American church um, um, live in a world of consumerism. And we know that and we've experienced that and, we've, and we're aware of that. And so why not come to church in that context, particularly during worship, to get, to consume, and then to leave. And therefore, the most important thing, and I've said this so long and so many times, is for us to, like this morning, oh, it's just amazing, the, to connect on an individual level. Everyone connect to Jesus. The result of that, is, in reality, is this overflow of this, of this river among us. And not just for our corporate times together, but God is very emphatic about that, but for our daily lives wherever we go. Worship. Worship Him. Connect with Him. Live in that place of absolute connection. Amen? The, um, I don't know who it was. I think it was Chan actually told me the story of a, of, a, of a guy who went as a missionary to Indonesia or somewhere. And he lived there for 20 years and he passed away. Lived in a village, preaching the gospel, Nobody really knew if he got through to the locals or anything like that, but he lived there, he preached the gospel, and he died. Some years later, a missionary team went through there and preached the gospel. And uh, after a little while of preaching, one of the elders of the village put his hand up and says, uh, actually, we know that guy. We, he died. We buried him here. Come, let me show you where we buried him. Does anyone get that? No, you didn't rise from the dead. <laughs> I wish I could live my life like that. Then one day when people come and say, oh, wow, this is what Jesus, they could say, no, we know that guy. We know that person. <laughs> he lives among us. He's, he's buried here in Bethel. I'm teasing. But in our lives, that we would live such lives, free from, free from the, you know, all the frills and the fuss that we make, and live as followers of Jesus. Live as followers of Jesus. Those who made the greatest impact in history are those who had the ability to, to see Jesus and to make him seen, to make him known, wherever they walked, wherever they lived. There is no special forces team in the church. There is no professional. There should not be a professional. Right? It's just a wonderful reality. Each one of us is that. There's another story, I'm going to, sorry about all these stories and little scripture, but of a guy who lived in India, God called him there, he lived there his entire life and made one disciple. And at the end of his life, he actually was quite grumpy, and he said, God, I have failed. So many years, I've lived in this nation, in India, I've, 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 be, I've become Indian, and I have one convert. And when he died, that one man sparked the greatest revival that India had ever seen. That one disciple. I think of Yanantina. 81 trips to Cuba. They just returned. They are 81 years old. You know, it's full of... 
Don't clap too much. Don't clap too much. They don't want their reward on earth. Their reward is waiting in heaven. And in Cuba. And the expressions of, of the nature of Jesus as they hand over a bar of soap, as they give um, a, a few dollars to a widow. Hundreds of widows, probably thousands of widows in 81 trips. You, know, you want to know a cool statistic? Daniel was 81 years old when he was in the lion's den. 81. Phil told me, so if you check it up and it's wrong, Phil told me. <laughs> yeah. So then, in, in, a, in a world that, that needs Jesus, friends, we, we must be cautious that we don't become consumers in our small environment. And that we become just this little group of people that come together on a Sunday, pump each other up and make each other happy to go into a world and remain irrelevant. That would be super sad. That would be shocking. That would be missing the point completely. And so when we cheer each other on, it should be into this commission, into these final, very heavy words of Jesus Christ to those who were his disciples. And I know you guys all know this, but I want you to be aware that the language we used in the 60s will not work on the millennial generation. It's just a total random point. But I told you the story about bread and Starbucks because I believe emphatically that the Holy Spirit lives within us. I really do believe it. He, he's, we, he is the indwelt spirit. Whether you feel that you're living in a place of sin or not, I'm not talking about licentiousness here. I just want to say to you that Jesus dealt with all sin of all man of all time on the cross. Sin is dealt with. So if our preoccupation is the sinful nature, we will always live in a retrospective reality. And we will view people not through the eyes of Christ. And that's why the sinners loved him. The, the, the sinners. He's never called them that, but we call them that. Or the unsafe, or the lost. And so, as much as we want to learn a new language to communicate the gospel. If we learn this language and we are amazing at it and we can contextualize it and we can write it down, but our lives are void of the reality of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit with the proof of the anticipation that every, everywhere we go, people encounter and experience the presence of Jesus through our lives. We are missing the point. True? True. I was so encouraged again by these guys and these stories. I remember, and I've told you guys the story, I'll tell you quickly. There was this one young guy, his name is, uh, his name is uh, what's the guy's name with the red hair? The, uh, the guy, no, not Brad. Anyway, this one young guy. I remember the first time we went to this time away in Malibu, it was about six or seven years ago. He was a young boy. He was like 18. And he had like a, t the reason why I remember this guy so well is because he, he had a torn t-shirt on. He had a hole in the side. It was a white t-shirt and a long... One, two. And a long coffee stain down the front of the t-shirt. But he asked questions all the time. So much so that when we broke into little breakout groups, he came into our group. I wasn't leading it. I was just part of this group. And he was asking a hundred questions. What is his name? Andy. And Andy... 
And Andy was a young zealot. He was just passionate for the things of God. And he believed that everything that the gospel said was actually true. So th- this, this time we were there. And Chris, Chris asked Andy to say something. He speaks so quickly. I don't know. Nobody should complain about me speaking quickly. If Andy was your pastor, you'd be way behind. Anyway, Andy, he did have an American accent, which was very helpful. But guys, but friends, Andy, had, Andy is now on his fourth church plant. Every one of the communities are close to 200. Andy oversees these four now. They've planted a fifth one in Denver. Josh planted in Denver with his wife. This young man, I'm, I, I don't want to be rude. Maybe I should just not say it like this. But this guy is not your typical cutout apostle. <laughs> but in reality, he is, he is believing everything in Scripture. There's nothing in his life that he will hold back. Nothing. He talks openly about everything from his money to his sexuality, to his friends. And he is so loose and colorful, it's ridiculous. He's not, he's not super and hyper intense. He has a photographic memory, which helps a lot, so he can quote masses of pieces of the Bible. But my point is this. A young man, seven years ago when we met, now at the age of 24, leading multiple communities, a movement that he calls it, Chris loves this guy. They're walking together so much. It's amazing. Why? Because he believes his life counts. Because he believes Jesus is worth absolutely everything. Every desire, every dream, everything. No, no, no half-baked reality. Everything. And so with that, he lives his life in the world with hyper-intentionality. And so he's studying how to communicate this glorious gospel to, to the next generation while simultaneously walking and living in the life of the Holy Spirit. And so um, I'm going uh, to just say three points and I'm done. How do we reach this generation? Have you thought of Milton, have you, where you live? I'm sure you have, wherever you live. It was so cool for me to hear what these guys are saying because they're so intentional to reach their communities around them, to reach, engage, and disciple. Number one, fasting and prayer. Very interesting that in Matthew and in Mark, Jesus prays for the harvesters instead of the harvest. Did you hear me? The harvest is plentiful. They are all around us. And statistically, we are still living in the fastest growing city in North America. So harvest is not a problem for us. And whatever God has graced you with, your style, if you want to call it that, I don't know how to do it. Some, of, some people have the ability and the boldness to walk blank up to someone and say, do you know that Jesus loves you? And I've heard some of the responses. Are you a Christian? Well, that's basically, that's none of your business. And so on. And so you hear these wonderful stories of people having the ability to step out. But Jesus speaks about the harvesters. I would want to, I would want to say boldly that we are a group of harvesters for the harvest, which means we exist in this place to reach the harvest. And with that, I want to use the age-old analogy. Alice and I were talking about it. It's, it would be a, when we went down to California last week, we went to the surf break called Trestles. It's a world-famous break. All the professional surfers are there. And John and Levi, 
were walking down the path and Levi or John said, can you imagine all the world professional surfers that have walked down this path? It's a little secret break. It's not open to the public. There are no boards to it, but the locals know where this break is. And because one of the guys in the church was a local, he took us to this break. So we're walking down this aisle. And as they're walking down, there was a bicycle, right? And the bicycle, on the bicycle was Kelly Slater. Does anybody not know who Kelly Slater is? Don't be shy. Okay, Kelly Slater was the world surfing champion for seven years in a row. Twelve years. Twelve years in a row. He's a legend. He's an absolute legend. And there he was. He bumped into Levi. Said, oh, sorry. Bumped in with his bicycle. John was like... <laughs> Levi was like, was that Kelly Slater? John was like, yeah. That was Kelly Slater. <laughs> anyway, my story is... We got longboards and we got suits and we got to the break and the break was absolutely beautiful. The water is super cold. You know what the saddest thing would have been? If we sat on the beach and watched the waves. Can you imagine if you had the ability to buy yourself a car, brand new car out the box and you park it in the garage and you call all your mates around, you have a barbecue and you say, guys, look at my car, it's amazing. And next week you call the same mates around to look at the car. And some of them buff the car and polish the windows. And the next week, the same bunch come around and you're all talking about the car. But you never turn the key. And you never drive the car. And those examples are endless. The saddest reality is, is if we live out there as consumers in a world that are looking for those who are willing to give their lives away for the glory of the gospel. It would be so sad if we live out there and never affect another life with this wonderful reality. Pray. Number two, be provocative Christians. This is not my own. This is Guy. Build friendships with people. To do that, you actually have to be cool. You have to be nice. You understand? Cool in a cool... Everybody has their own relatively cool way, Okay? And if people have to work through facades of all communication of, of, of Christendom, oh, forget it. Just be normal. Be nice. And, learn, and people will learn to trust and to like you. And that takes time. And there are many stories about that. And I'm going to do that. Uh, and then, lastly, we can build trust through serving. Serving is huge. In a community where everybody takes, in, in a world, we can be those who give, who serve others at the expense of ourselves. And I know it's so small, but in Matthew 28, Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. Just making sure everyone's not, no one's nodding off. Go into all the world and make disciples. And Terry, Terry Fouchet on the last day of the conference stood up in the morning and he said, the most important thing we can do as believers, and everybody gave their bit during that time, it was fantastic, was to teach people what it looks like to obey Jesus. Because in the culture that we live, that's a bad word. Don't say obey. That, no, no, don't say obey. Go into all the world, make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so this speaks of process and relationship and being real and being prayerful and being intentional. Aware the Spirit lives within us. Aware there's a new language that we must learn to connect with various people. And God will give us the harvest. Do you believe that? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. You got something to say, babe? The last time we were in Mexico, they had this amazing bakery that we all go to. And we all collected donuts and cakes and things. And I came outside and there was a little child um, 
on the street, a, a street child. And I took one of the donuts to give to the child. He was eating the donut, and then we were all sitting around. And then a little while later, the little boy came to say thank you. And I realized at that point that the person that was blessed the most in that situation was me. Because it was so, the feeling of absolute, it was just incredible that this little boy came and said thank you to me, far more than I could ever have done in giving him the donut. And the Bible says that it's better to give than to receive. And so this week that we have, ask God for opportunities that we can actually be a blessing to people. And the greatest blessing that we can be is actually to give them the reality of Jesus Christ. This morning in worship, God said that he is our peace and that he's breaking all fear over our lives. And the way that we actually come into this is actually to give.